Amen. Open your Bibles this evening to the Gospel of John, to the Gospel of John. Tonight we jump right back into our study in the Gospel of John. We are uh, six nights in. We've got 94 more nights to go. I hear it like that and think, well, you know what, that's doable, 94 nights, that's not too bad. I was talking to somebody and they said, 14 and a half more weeks and we'll be done. Now that's a little bit different, 14 and a half more weeks. Uh, Tonight in our study, we're going to go right back to our verses. Tonight in our study, we come to the conclusion of the beginning section of John. And that's where we're at tonight. We come to the conclusion of the beginning section of John. It is literally the end of the beginning. However, because it is supernatural, because it is God's good news, the end of the beginning is not the beginning of the end. And let me tell you tonight, that sounds crazy, that sounds profound, but that is a true statement. It's only true here, uh, only in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the end of the beginning, not the beginning of the end. And you're sitting there saying, what are you talking about? Why? It is because our good news, the word of God is eternal. And though the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of our God endures forever and it has no end. What an awesome truth that is. The good news, every time we look at it, is better than we imagined. Tonight, our message is entitled, The Word Known. The Word Known. Tonight, we're in John chapter 1, tonight, verses 15 through 18. John chapter 1, tonight, verses 15 through 18. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word, the Word known. Beginning in verse 15, God's Word says this, John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Verse 18, no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come now, we're thankful for you, we're thankful for good news tonight. We're thankful again for hope tonight, for peace tonight that's not robbed away from us. Lord, we're thankful for a risen, resurrected, reigning Savior, our King, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for this opportunity on the sixth night to hear your word, to be filled up with your word. I pray, Lord, that it would be a supernatural event, not normal, not the passing on of information, not a a lecture, but it would be the Word of God, again, applied to our minds and to our hearts and to our lives. I pray the result would be that those that have trusted you, that we would grow closer to you, that we would be encouraged on this night. For those that do not know you, my prayer is that in the hearing of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, tonight, this very night, the sixth night, might be the night of their salvation. Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity. We praise you in it. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, as we begin tonight, what a great start we have had. 
what a blessing we have received already in just five uh, short days. And, and I just ask the question, don't you already love our Savior more? Friends, I was thinking about this. Isn't that how it should be? Isn't that how it should be? We get so messed up in the world we live in. We have so much negative information pouring into our minds. Isn't this how it should be? God's people with their eyes upon Christ, that's what the Bible says we ought to be, with the word of God, the good news of God being poured into us. And the result is our knowledge and our love of Jesus growing. You know what? That's what the Christian life is. That's what, that's what we ought to be. That's what, what our lives ought to be filled with. Our knowledge and love for our Savior Jesus Christ ought to be growing. How awesome that is. Now, so far, we have learned of the word eternal. And we have learned of the word incarnate. Well, tonight in our verses, we see the word known. The Word known. Now be very sure tonight, the goal of this gospel, the goal of the fourth gospel, of John's gospel, is not that people would hear, but that in hearing they would believe. We need to make that distinction. We need to understand that. The, the goal of the gospel, the reason for the gospel, is not that a whole lot of folks would hear, but the goal is that in hearing, they would believe. John tells us that is his mission in that, this gospel. We find that is God's goal, and he proves it in this gospel. Not that people would hear, but that through hearing, they would believe Jesus is the Christ. Now, that's why he sends a forerunner. Now, that's why he gives us his written word. That is why he gives us the living word, Jesus, that is why he tells us and calls for us to testify to that word. And so tonight in our verses, we're going to see the word known. The word known. Now let's go right to our verses tonight. Verse 15, God's word says this. John testified about him and cried out, saying... This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Let me read the 15th verse again. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Here in the 15th verse, the apostle John is again talking about John the testifier or John the Baptist as we know him. He is talking about John the forerunner. Now, John the apostle says that he testified about him, meaning he testified about the Christ, the Messiah. He testified about the Word, our Savior. Now, remember, if you can... The Greek word for testified means to bear witness to, to bear witness to. And so that's what he did. It means to give evidence to or to give evidence for. And so John the testifier did exactly that, and he testified to the word. Now let me hit that again this afternoon, this evening. So that they would hear alone? No, no but that through hearing they would 
believe. Let me tell you something tonight. Let me be very clear in this. That is always God's plan. Do you understand? That is always God's plan. It was his plan there. It was his plan then. It's his plan now as well. He desires that all would hear and that all would know and that all would receive the word, our Savior. That is his plan. So John, we find here the forerunner, he testified about him, to him. Then the verse says this, and he cried out and cried out. Now, this is an interesting picture. In the Greek, the word cried out means to shout. It means to be loud. Now, this is very interesting. It actually means to scream. And I looked that up, and we'd like to be loud or shout, but maybe it's undignified to scream, and that's what he's doing. He's actually Screaming. That's what the verse says. Now, not only that, we see in the tense of the word, it is also repetitive. It is also continual. And so he is shouting, he is screaming, and that is continually what he's doing. It's not a one-time event, but it's what he's found as the testifier doing. He is shouting. He is getting loud. He is actually screaming out. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now, what is he saying here? John the testifier, John the Baptist, was born six months before his cousin. Did you know that? John the testifier, John the Baptist, began his ministry long before his cousin, the Word. And yet he says here that he existed before I. Now, how does that make any sense? He was born before him. He started his ministry before him. And yet he says he existed before I. In fact, he has a greater rank because he existed before me. Now, that word for greater rank means position. It means honor. He had a greater honor. He had a greater rank than John the testifier, than John the Baptist, because he existed before him. Now, let me tell you what John the the testifier is saying here. He is saying, again, the word is eternal. And that's what he's saying. That's the only possible understanding of that. The word existed before I did because the word is eternal. And because the word is eternal, the word is God. That's the whole preceding section. And because he is God, he is the Savior from God, the Messiah, the light that shines in the darkness. And so understand what he is testifying. He is literally screaming, this is the one. This is the one. There's not a a, a deluded message. He is saying, this is God himself, eternal. He is the Christ. This is the one. Now let me give us some advice here tonight. How do you know a true servant of God? That's a pretty good question in the day we're living in. How do you know, how do you identify a true servant of God? Here's how you know. Because they consistently exalt the Savior and not themselves. 
And there's your answer. That's how you know. When you're around them, it is the Savior that is lifted up. When you're around them, it is the Savior that is the subject of conversation. When you're around them, it is the Savior that is the focus. When you're around them, it is the Savior that is the message, and it's not themselves. Let me tell you, look around today. And today in the world of preaching, in the, in the world of ministry, it's all about getting your name known. You ever notice that? Go look on the internet, go look on TV, and it's about getting your name known. You got to get your name known. You got to build your platform. You got to get your name known. And I'll tell you today, preachers are, some of them are bigger than rock stars. And really, I want to tell you the reality is this. There is only one name that saves. And there's only one name that has power in that name. And there's only one name we ought to lift up. And it's not the name of the preacher or anybody else. And so we see here, John screams out, it's not me, it's him, it's not me, it is him. For he existed before me. He is eternal, he is God, he is the Christ. All right, let's go to verse 16. Ooh, get ready, verse 16 is pretty awesome. For of his fullness... We have all received and grace upon grace. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. Now verse 16 is very interesting. Some say it is a continuation of verse 15. And so it is John the Baptist, John the testifier, that is speaking in verse 16. And you read that and, and you can't really tell. Some folks say, these, these great scholars say, it is a continuation of what's being said in verse 15. And so verse 16 is the speech of John the Baptist, John the testifier. Now there's others and they're just as smart, and they say it has gone back now to John the Apostle, and he is the one speaking. So they would say, verse 16, these are the words of John the Apostle. And so it is either John the Baptist or it is John the Apostle that is speaking. You're lucky you're here tonight. I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I'm going to give you the answer. It is John who is speaking. Actually, we're going to see in a second, it doesn't matter because what is said is the truth. And we're going to see that in a minute. In fact, I think it's this way on purpose. And I think we're going to see God had a plan in doing it this way. And I think it's better left this way. Now, we don't know who it is, but I'm going to tell you whatever is said is the truth. And I think it's pretty awesome how it's left. Now, listen, here we go. For of his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. Now, I remember fullness last night. Uh, means completion. It means the sum total. And then I found this definition today, and it's an awesome definition. It means superabundance. How do you like that? A superabundance. The fullness is the totality. It is the sum. It is completion, and it is a superabundance. For of his fullness, we have all received grace Upon grace. Now hold it together. Stay with me just a little bit longer. There's something here to see, and it's, it's awesome. In the Word, we see, we find all 
of grace. Now, that's a huge thing. In the Word, we find the totality of grace. We find the sum total of grace. Well, John the Baptist knew the Word, and John the Apostle knew the Word, and that's why it doesn't matter who wrote this. And in knowing him and in seeing him, they beheld, they personally realized grace upon grace. That's what they're saying. They beheld him, they knew him, and in knowing him, they received grace upon grace. Now, the word grace means loving kindness or mercy. The phrase is actually, listen to this, Grace in place of grace. That's the actual Greek phrasing, the Greek wording. Grace in the place of grace. Listen very carefully. It means if you know the word, if you've come to know the word, how you know it is him is that in him you find grace after grace after grace, after grace, after grace. And the grace actually replaces the previous grace. That's what it says. Here's this grace, and it replaces that grace. And it's grace on top of grace, after grace, after grace. And, And the grace that you receive is the better than the previous grace. It is a limitless supply, a limitless river of grace. Believers tonight... I want you to evaluate your life. I want you to evaluate your your walk with Jesus Christ. Isn't that the Christian life? Once you know the word, once you receive the word, once you've experienced God's grace, it never ends. And grace is replaced by grace, is replaced by grace, is replaced by grace. And, and grace is there when the troubles come. And it is grace when you're found in sin. It is grace when the diagnosis is cancer. It is grace when the sonogram is suspect. It is grace when your failing finances take over. It is grace when your friends desert you. It is grace on grace when your divorce devastates you. It is grace when your kids are growing. It is grace when your spouse dies and you stand by their casket. And it is grace when the world is dark. And it is grace when the burdens of life are heavy. And how do you know it is Jesus? Because it is running over and overflowing in grace. That's how we know it is Jesus. It is grace upon grace upon grace by which the word is known. He is known by limitless grace. Isn't that the Christian life? You tell me when his grace ran out. You tell me where his grace ran short. Walking with Christ is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And how we know it is Jesus, the word, is the supply of limitless grace. That's awesome. Verse 16 again. For of the full of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. All right, verse 17, let's keep moving. 
<laughs> Verse 17 is pretty awesome too. For the law was given, listen to these words, through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. It's very important. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. It starts off and it says, for the law. Now I want you to understand, the law is not a bad thing. Sometimes we have a bad connotation or a bad perception about the law. The law was a good thing. In fact, it was an act of grace that God gave them the law. It revealed to them their need for a Savior. It led them, if they walked in it, to lives of peace and holiness. It called for them and allowed them to worship through obedience. And so the law is not a bad thing. Notice it says, the law was given through Moses. Given through Moses. Now listen, Moses, as esteemed as he was, as revered as he was and is, was an agent of God. That's what he was. That's what it says. It was given through Moses, and so as awesome as Moses is, as revered as he is, he is an agent of God. The law was given through Moses. Yet notice the verse, grace and truth. Now remember from last night, those are the twin towers of our gospel. They are not, notice here, not given through Jesus Christ. Look at the word. It says they are realized through Jesus Christ. That word for realize means they come about. It actually means they become. And so grace and truth are realized. They become through Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you what that means. Listen very carefully. What that means is where Moses was an agent of God, Jesus is God. What that means is where Moses spoke the word from God and he was faithful to deliver it, Jesus, however, is the word of God. Where Moses brought down the law, Jesus comes and he fulfills the law. Where Moses asked to see the backside of the glory of God because he couldn't stand his glory, Jesus is God incarnate, God in the flesh, and he reveals his glory. And when the law kindly revealed the need for a Savior, listen, in the fullness of grace and truth, Jesus stands as that Savior. That's good news. Do you understand that's the gospel? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ in grace and truth, limitless in the person of Jesus. We have our Savior. Now I want to point something out right here. And it is big. It's a big thing. Notice this. Go with me. Here in the 17th verse of the first chapter of the Gospel of John, for the very first time in his Gospel, the friend of John, the cousin of John, the testifier, the Savior for sinners, the Word is now known by his name, Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Do you see that? Listen to this. In Acts 4.12 it says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. 
It is only the name of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the angel says to Joseph, And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. One of my favorite set of verses, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 says this, And for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess, here's that name, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so listen to me tonight, so we can know him, so we can be confident in him, so upon hearing him, we can believe in him, and so in believing we can be saved. The Apostle John names our Savior, it is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His name is Jesus. Verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained Him. Now that may seem complicated. It's not really. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. In in verse 18, John brings the thing all the way back around. He completes the lap, and he brings the prologue to a conclusion. Now, this was in the introduction. Now it wraps up in the conclusion of this introduction. He says, no one has seen God, but in seeing Jesus, the Word eternal, in seeing Jesus, the Word incarnate, in Him, in seeing Jesus, God is known. It says at the end of that verse that it explained him. Interesting word. It's the Greek word exegete. Exegete. It means to pull out and to make known from what is held. That's what a preacher should be doing. You take the word of God and you exegete the word of God. You pull out what we have and you make known the word of God. And so it's that Greek word, Jesus. Here's what it actually says. Exegetes God. Jesus makes known God. In Jesus, he makes the full lap. We see God. He is God. He is the good news. He is the life, and the life is the light of men. Praise the Lord for the word known. Praise the Lord for the word known. Here's the great question. Do you know him? Do you know him? You see, it's not just the passing on of information. It's not just a set of facts. It is a person. It is a Savior that has been revealed in God's Word through the Word Jesus that we might know him. And by knowing him, that we would believe and in believing that we would be saved. Listen tonight. Do you know him? Here's who he is. He's the Savior. He's the Lamb of God. He comes. He doesn't sin as the Lamb of God. He goes to the cross of Calvary. He takes my sin and your sin, our shame, and he bears it to the cross, the perfect Lamb of God, our Savior. And There he takes the wrath of God poured out on sinners, on sin. He settles it. He pays for it in his life, his blood. He dies. He's taken and removed from that cross. He's placed in a grave, a borrowed grave. The good news is three days later, he walks out of that grave and he stands 
as the risen Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And John says, you know what? You can know him. And by knowing you, you can be saved. The Bible says if you'll believe in him, if you'll trust in him for your salvation, repenting and leaving your sins, no work that you have to do, no manual that you have to memorize, but by simple faith in Jesus, the testimony of the good news is this. You shall be saved. So the question tonight is this. Do you know Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for the word that's knowable, the word that you want us to know, the word that you went to great lengths to reveal, the word that in hearing we can believe and in believing we can be saved. Lord, I pray for those that are hearing tonight. I pray for those in this room, those that are somewhere else listening by another means. I pray that today in the hearing of this good news, tired of their sin, tired of the treadmill of life, tired of, 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 of the empty hope, that tonight they would turn to you and they would trust you and they would believe upon you and that in that they'd be saved. Lord, I ask that you move. I know you are. I know you have. Lord, I pray that your word as it goes out that it would bear great fruit for your glory and your kingdom. Lord, I ask now as this time of invitation comes that you would be known and glorified through it, that you would move freely, that you would remove any hindrance. We give it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, my Lord, my King's name, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service the time of response, a time of invitation. And if you're here, you're listening tonight, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's as simple as just saying, I trust you. I see who I am in my sin, and I know I have no hope in it. And I trust you, Lord. As best I know how, I'm going to turn and I'm going to follow you. Come into my heart and save me. If that's you today, I'd, I'd implore you, don't wait another day. Trust our Savior. Trust Jesus today. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision. But you need to follow in believer's baptism. The Bible says it's always by immersion, always after the point that we're saved. And so you're here and say, yes, I trust Christ but I've never fallen in believer's baptism. And so maybe you'd say, I need to do that. I, I want that testimony to stand in my life for his honor and in obedience to him. And so tonight you come as well and we'll set a, a day to be a great day of celebration, testifying to our Savior Jesus. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here and only if you've prayed about it, you come and together we'll serve his cause and his kingdom and we'll uphold his word for his glory until he comes again. Maybe you want to come on this night, a Thursday night, and maybe you want to come and pray on this altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me here at the front. The Bible tells us nothing's too big, nothing's too small, that we don't, we don't have to come up here crawling in timidity, but we can come in boldness because of our Savior, Jesus. And so maybe on this night, you want to come and pray at an altar, pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit. Uh, we'll be done in just a second. You pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand to sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out, you come on, and I'll meet you here.